Welcome back to the WinFL show as part two of the WinFL show for this day, 27th of April, 2022, pre-draft. And uh, our next segment is going to be... Jake's Hot Takes. Jake, give us your hot take for this week. Yep, back with everyone's favorite segments. Uh, my hot take this week uh, is I want whatever Maurice Jones drew or MJD is smoking. Because um, we've just done our mock draft, and yes. his latest mock draft is, I, I need to know the chemicals he was on. Um, <laughs> not only in his recent draft did he have four quarterbacks taken inside the top 10, not not the first round, inside the top 10, uh, he, he made up the, the least logical trade I can I can fathom. He has the, the Saints trading up with the Jets. Now, now this is the, the same Jets team who already own 4, 10, 35, and 38. Um, so trading back with a team like the Saints who don't have a first-round pick next year makes l- literally no sense. Uh, and then the, the final ice, uh, you know, the icing on the cake, uh, he has the, the Chiefs who traded away Tyreek Hill rather than paying him uh, and paying the, the ever-increasing wide receiver tax. Uh, mm. He has the Chiefs trading for Debo Samuel. So so they're not going to pay Tyreek Hill, but they'll, they'll pay Debo Samuel. Um, so I just, when that draft came out, I've been keeping an eye on all the mock drafts, you know, see, seeing what people are saying, seeing who's trending up. And I saw this and I was like, have I taken something or has he taken <laughs> something? Because one of us is on, you know, is not thinking straight. So you, you mentioned, that, did you see four quarterbacks in the top 10? Four quarterbacks inside the top 10. So what, and what, I think, who's he got going where? Rich. Right, let me get it up because I, I just I've not laid my eyes on it again. Oh, it was upset it, me. <laughs> <laughs> it upset me so much. For Jake's um, your PTSD from MGD, uh, that's that's pretty poor. <laughs> four, I I can't even imagine which four teams could possibly think of taking a quarterback in in the top ten. It does that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever Dave what do you reckon of that four quarterbacks in the top 10 um no <laughs> I don't know if there's much else I can actually add to that um <laughs> I, I, I mean so. we've already we've already said that the the quarterback sort of caliber offered is not exactly there's not a lot to get excited about not, nothing that I've seen stands out we've got no Joe Burrows uh, in the draft we've got well we've got a, a few Carson Wentz's arguably um but four in the top 10 that it's it's that's not going to happen no I, I mean it's not this isn't a WinFL exclusive that that's not going to happen this is just a common sense it's not going to happen it's very ambitious but I think what um Jake was saying about uh the Chiefs trying to trade for Debo Samuel is just not going to happen whatsoever. The Chief, the Chiefs have made their bed with uh, what happened with Tyreek Hill. Never ever are they paying Debo Samuel right now. No, I yeah, big big old slap to Tyreek Hill saying, "Oh, we're not going to pay you, but we'll, we'll go pay Debo Samuel." <laughs> but the the run of co- uh, cornerbacks has he has uh, Carolina Panthers picking Kenny Pickett. Oh, okay. He then has the Atlanta Falcons picking Malik Willis. Hmm. The the Seattle Seahawks picking up Desmond Ritter, <sighs> even though they have Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Uh, and then has the Saints trading up. Uh, just uh, uh, PTSD and I need therapy. Uh, the, trading up with the Jets to pick Matt Corral, even though we've got Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton and Mickey Loomis has come out and said he's not interested in a quarterback. But, you know, MJD knows best. 
makes no sense. And yeah. from, from the notes that I could see, that he thinks that the way they'll get to the 10th pick in the draft is by trading their two first rounders for pick 10. So mm-hmm. it's yep. just, oh, wow. No. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but no, just, it's not going to happen. Anyone who so thinks that, I, I'm sorry, sorry, Jake, this is your segment. John, you go, carry on. I was just going to say the Jets would then end up with what, four. 16 and 19, 35 and 38. I mean, how many good players do the Jets, you know, even at that point, the Sally crap, even for the, the draft capital, is, is not going to be fun for them if they're picking up uh, half a roster of rookies. I think anyone who thinks that Matt Corral won't be available late in the first round, that you wouldn't need to trade for him, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I see where you're coming from, Jake. My goodness. Yeah, so my hot take was, uh, if anything, this was just therapy for me. I need to get it off my chest. <laughs> no wonder. My goodness. Could you imagine if the Saints made that trade? Or Jake would have an aneurysm. I would be, I'd be. It'd be great. I'd be going for an early early night's sleep. <laughs> That's true. Uh, my poor Broncos aren't picking in the first round. So And, and uh, Dave's... Rams aren't picking in the first round for till who knows when, so we'll need to wait and see what happens with that. But that's uh, that's uh, that's quite some mock draft. Four quarterbacks in the top ten. MJD. Well, you know, maybe maybe he knows something we all don't. I won't be on next week's show if that happens. I'm, I'm quitting. <laughs> I am quitting if, if that happens. If that happens, we're getting MJD on the show. Yes, <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> Right, so uh, that was uh, Jake's hot takes, and um, if that if if these trades happen, that will be uh, news for years to come, and that leads us nicely into our next segment, which is called "You and McFails Draft Day Fails." Now, last week we spoke about the Ricky Williams trade which has sometimes been called the worst trade of all time. And I, I think certainly the worst trade for both teams of all time. We spoke about how nobody benefited from that trade at all um, between the New Orleans Saints and the Washington at the time uh, redacted. Uh, nobody won. Trades were sent left, right and centre uh, for one player and nobody won out of that trade. However... We're going to go back in time even further. We're going back all the way to 1989. And we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. Because a trade was made that was so huge for both teams. It was absolutely massive. It was. It's probably the single biggest trade of all time. And while it didn't quite work out for the Minnesota Vikings. It most definitely worked out for the Dallas Cowboys. Not immediately, because in the 1989 season, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, after making this trade, went 1-15. So they didn't do particularly well uh, in their first season, 1989. But what they got from this trade built the entire uh, dynasty of the 1990s Dallas Cowboys that we have spoken to, we have spoken about many times, and the, particularly, I believe the 1992 Dallas Cowboys are always considered to be one of the best teams uh, all around of all time, and quite rightly so. 
So we're going to get into the draft, the, the trade here. Um, Jerry Jones purchased the Dallas Cowboys. And one of the first things he did was actually to fire longtime coach Tom Landry. Tom Landry had been coaching the Dallas Cowboys for 29 years. I'm not sure we'll ever see a coach last that long again. Possibly Bill Belichick might with the, with the Patriots. But 29 years, Tom Landry coached the Dallas Cowboys and ended in 1989. And uh, as we all know, Jerry Jones hired his former uh, college roommate, I believe, uh, Jimmy Johnston. Uh, and Jimmy Johnston helped with this trade that the Cowboys were very poor. They were the last place team in the NFC East. They were the laughing stock of the NFC East, just being run over season after season by the Giants, uh, by Washington, uh, by the Eagles, and and at the time by the Cardinals, believe it or not, who were better than the, the Cowboys. Now, what the Cowboys did have was one very, very special player. They had a running back. And his name was Herschel Walker. Now, Herschel Walker is still to this day considered one of the greatest athletes, just in general, athletes of all time. He uh, was a Heisman Trophy winner. He won, he won the Heisman Trophy in 1982. He played football for the University of Georgia. He was an All-American three times in college. He's one, definitely one of the greatest college players of all time. He's been ranked number one by various, uh, you know, Bleacher Report, Sporting News ranked Herschel Walker as the greatest college player of all time. He was unstoppable. He actually started his career in the USFL. He went through three years with the New Jersey Generals, uh, where he posted three-year totals of 1,800 yards, 1,300 yards, and 2,400 yards in his, in his 1985 season, rushing. He rushed for 2,400 yards. He added another uh, 467 yards receiving that, and he scored 22 touchdowns that year. In 1986, he went to the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys were very, very poor, but Herschel Walker was still good. Uh, and in fact, in, in 1988, he rushed for over 1,500 yards uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. But he was basically the only good player that Dallas had. So Dallas traded Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings. And as I said, it was quite a quite a trade. It consisted of the Minnesota Vikings receiving running back Herschel Walker, Dallas's third round pick in 1990, San Diego's fifth round pick in 1990, Dallas's 10th round pick in 1990, and Dallas's third round pick in 1991. Now you might be saying, how do they get San Diego's fifth round pick in 1990. This was due to revised transactions because um, running back Darren Nelson was traded to the San Diego Chargers in exchange for San Diego's fifth round pick, which was then traded to the Minnesota Vikings. The Dallas Cowboys, in exchange for one player and, and those four picks, received four players, linebacker Jesse Solomon, linebacker David Howard, cornerback Isaac Holt, and defensive end Alex Stewart. They also received Minnesota's first round pick in 90, second round pick in 90, sixth round pick in 90, the first and second round picks in 1991, the first and second round picks in 1992, and the third round pick in 1992. Now, some of those picks were conditional. So they received 
1991 and 92 picks conditional from the Vikings for uh, cutting, for example, uh, Jesse Solomon, Howard Holt, uh, cutting uh, Stuart, Alex Stewart in 1992. And the, 90, the second round pick in 1992 was a condition met by trading away Darren Nelson to the San Diego Chargers, which they did, which gave the Minnesota Vikings San Diego's fifth round pick. So all in all, there was 18 players and draft picks involved in this trade. Now, the Vikings thought initially that they'd won this. They were like, we've absolutely won this. Because as I say, through the 1980, this happened during the 1989 season, the Cowboys were awful. They were just awful. They finished 1-15, but they had this one great player in Herschel Walker, and the Vikings went, we're taking him. And... After after the the trade was announced, the Vikings were like, "We've we've done this. This was this was really good for us." But Jimmy Johnson at a pref, press conference bragged about it, saying he'd committed uh, the greatest robbery. Oh, uh, beg your pardon, the great train robbery. That's what he was quoted as saying, and he was criticised by sports writers because of this. Now Johnson made good on all of his promises to the Vikings. He did cut Solomon Howard Holt. He did trade away Nelson. He did everything that he was supposed to do. And because of this, he ended up getting three first round picks, three second round picks, a third round pick and a sixth round pick for those players. Now, he then made subsequent transactions. When he got the first round pick in 1990, that was uh, a position 21. He then traded with the Pittsburgh Steelers to move up to 17th overall, which he used to select running back Emmett Smith, the all-time leader in rushing in the NFL. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was the first thing that he did. So that, was the, that was the first pick. He then, using Minnesota's second round pick in 1990, he used that as part of a deal to get San Francisco's third round pick in 1990. He gave San Francisco's third round pick, was then used as part of the deal with Pittsburgh to move to 17 overall, and then using Minnesota's sixth round pick, he used a deal with the Los Angeles Raiders to get defensive back Stance Magala. Now, with Minnesota's first round pick in 1991, he used as part of a deal to get the number one overall pick in the 1991 draft from the New England Patriots. With that pick, they selected defensive tackle Russell Maryland. Then he used traded with the Houston Oilers with Minnesota's second round pick to acquire running back Alonzo Highsmith. With Minnesota's first round pick in 1992, Jimmy Johnson went crazy. He started a deal to get New England's first and second round picks, which was 19th and 37th overall in the 1992 draft. He then traded the 19th overall and a deal with the Atlanta Falcons to get the 17th overall pick. And then he used that 17th overall pick to select cornerback Kevin Smith. And the 37th overall, which he'd already traded with New England, was then used to select Darren Woodson. It didn't stop there. With Minnesota's second round pick in 92, he used that as a deal to acquire two draft picks from the Kansas City Chiefs. These were then exchanged with the Washington Redskins in exchange for a pick. And with Washington's third round pick, they selected cornerback Clayton Holmes. And with Minnesota's third round pick in 1992, he used it as part of the above deal to get New England's first and second round picks. (sighs) Meanwhile, the 1989 Vikings 
were knocked out of the playoffs by the San Francisco 49ers. Arguably the greatest team that has ever played the game. I say arguably only because other people argue with me about it. The San Francisco 49ers in 1989 were the greatest team ever. However, among the four players that the Vikings had selected with using Dallas's picks, Mike Jones that they selected spent two years. Jake Reed did spend eight years with them, uh, and in 1991, the Vikings re-signed Darren Nelson, who was the player who forced Minnesota and Dallas to send him to San Diego in 1989. It was a, an absolute just mess, that was. The Vikings haven't made a Super Bowl since that trade. Walker only played two more seasons with the Vikings, and then signed with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1992, and then moved to the Giants. He then rejoined the Cowboys in 1996. I mean, years down the line, this is still looked at the worst trade in NFL history for one team. Because for the Vikings, it was awful. They got nothing at all out of this. The Dallas Cowboys, meanwhile, managed three Super Bowl wins, a Hall of Famer and four other Pro Bowlers. And the Vikings got zero Super Bowls and they did get wide receiver Jake Reed. And because of this trade, for the first time, teams were looking at draft picks as bargaining chips. And we spoke about this with Ricky Williams last week and what Mike did got done, he was just throwing them away. And people were saying, what are you doing? He essentially did the opposite of the Herschel Walker trade because the Cowboys had one player and the Vikings wanted this player and they said, give us a load of picks. Just give us an absolute load of picks and we'll give, we'll give that to you. Uh, four games into the 1989 season, because this story is still not done, Jimmy Johnson, he had the idea to trade Walker when he was out. Apparently, the, the story is he was out for a jog. And he, he thought that his team was so bad because they were bad that he thought he needed a trade. Now, he, he had actually considered trading wide receiver Michael Irvin to the Raiders, who were in Los Angeles at the time. And Al Davis responded to Jimmy Johnson by saying, Who's going to catch passes if you trade Michael Irvin? And because of that, Johnson thought, I'll trade Herschel Walker instead. Because Irvin was, was a, a great player for the Cowboys as well. In 1989, the Dallas Cowboys drafted uh, with the, the first overall pick, Troy Aikman. And Troy Aikman turned out to be a Hall of Famer. The Cowboys ended up with three Hall of Famers. That was the famous triplets of Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith. But that trade that they made in the middle of the 1989 season with the Minnesota Vikings laid the ground for, groundwork for one of the greatest dynasties of all time, the Dallas Cowboys, in the 1990s. And that is the end of this week's Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fails. Good Lord. <laughs> I think my, my favourite thing of it is just the effort that went into it in terms of most trades, you know, I'll give you this pick, you give me that pick. But the effort, and then the, even when they, they did that trade, like you say, they just kept going. It was like a domino effect. And it, 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 was, it was a continuation. Because you're right, you know, it's not like a one team trades its second round pick and its third round pick for your first round pick. They, you know, with the trades, with the picks that Johnson got, he was then like, okay, so I've got the first from this one and the second from this one. I can trade them for the first from this team, the third and the, and the fourth. And then I can trade that, those picks for this team, for their first. And you're like, what's going on here? <laughs> if, I was, if I was a general manager of a team when Jimmy Johnson was the head coach of the Cowboys, I'm like, don't answer the phone to that guy. No chance. 
He is thinking 10 steps ahead of everyone else. And he proved it. The, the two Super Bowls that they won under Jimmy Johnson in uh, 1992 and 1993. Is that right? Yes. 1992 and 1993 were just, you know, that they were clearly the best team in the NFL. He also, of course, engineered the Deion Sanders trade to the Cowboys as well. Um, it was just, Jimmy Johnson knew how to bargain with other teams. Well, he did because he kind of played teams off each other. I mean, he offered, yeah. he had uh, interest from the Giants, interest from the Falcons, and then had a deal with the Browns where the Browns had offered a player a couple of first-round picks, three uh, number two draft picks, and then he sent, you know, the Cowboys probably, you know, everyone else was thinking, okay, that sounds like a good deal. And Jimmy Johnson was like, mm, I think I can get more. I'll, I'll just go tell Minnesota, this is what we're going to do and see what they do. And obviously then got a better deal. So he was never satisfied until obviously he got what he thought it was worth. He certainly did indeed. The length of time that this one trade affected the league, I think is one of the most stark you know aspects of it really oh, for I mean, years for about a, a decade i'd say you know around a decade i mean the vikings are probably still feeling it because now look they've got kirk cousins there so you know <laughs> obviously they have they still haven't upgraded but um That's you true. know uh, it's the but come what five six seven years later you know the, the cowboys have three super bowl wins they've had, like you said they've got troy aikman emmett smith i mean how I, I, it's hard to see. Obviously, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but it's hard to see how you get something so wrong. Um, I mean, you could argue with a couple of teams that they do get a lot of things wrong, but I think the Vikings just take number one. The the only thing about it that they got number one in it was just how bad they came off of this. But wow, that that's a fantastic story um, of what not to do uh, when it comes to trades and draft picks. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was miles ahead of everyone else and the Vikings were just left scratching their heads. Uh, but the Vikings um, have had uh, their fair share of uh, mishaps with trades and particularly on draft night. And uh, the Vi Minnesota Vikings will actually be the subject of next week's Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fails. Okay, uh, so next up is everyone's favourite segment, barring, of course, uh, Jake's Hot Takes, which is he's claiming is the new favourite segment for everyone. Um, and it is, of course... Random Stats. Okay. So it is, of course, Random Stats. So, uh, Jake, why don't you start us off this week? What is your random stat? Okay, so I tried to find a, a draft-related one for mine this week. Um, and mine... It's going to be an interesting one. With it looking likely that the first two picks of the 2022 draft will be defensive linemen or just defensive players in general, um, both me and you and have that in our mock drafts. Most mock drafts have it. I mean, the only one that can really throw a spar in the work is Icky. Um, but for my stat and the, the purpose of this, we're going to go on the, the belief that it will be two defensive players. Uh, my random stat is that this will be the first draft since 2000 to do so, and only the fifth um, time in the last 40 years. Uh, it kind of works rather lovely in terms of last week you mentioned that draft in terms of when we're talking about Ewan McPhail's draft fails. We brought up LeVar Arrington, and he was the second overall pick in 2000 behind the first overall, which was Courtney Brown. That was the last time 
you had back-to-back defensive players in the top two. Wow. I had no so idea. See, yeah, you can just see how offense-related and just the, the quarterback kind of narrative that the league has become. That's We've not had back-to-back defensive players at one and two in 22 years. And yeah, it, it was 92, 91, 88, and 82. And then 2000 was the last time. That is absolutely oh, I, unbelievable. I think that kind of shows that over the last two decades that the teams really want that kind of blockbuster, almost Hollywood-esque you know, pick early on. So, yeah, I, I, I think it maybe shows how uh, not undervalued the defense has been in the draft, but maybe how borderline neglected it's been, or uh, that it there there are picks obviously that should have gone a lot higher uh, than some of the picks that we have seen over the past two decades that have come yeah. out in the first couple of picks. Like you say, I think teams go for the sexy picks sometimes. You know, oh, we're gonna go get, you know, whoever it may be, quarterback, you know, wide receiver, you know, Malik sexy. Willis. Yeah, go yes. get a sexy Malik player <laughs> when they probably Malik would Willis. have been better off going drafting an Aaron Donald or something. You know, sometimes you don't have to be, you don't have to overthink it. You don't need to go sexy. Just take. Take Aiden Hutcher and take the big man, take the, the sure thing. Sometimes that's the best thing you can do. It really is. I mean, we, we're all trying to second guess where people should go in the draft. And, and sometimes that's just the, take, the, take the right choice, make the, the safe pick. And it, it can turn out pretty well for you. It's a great stat. Uh, Dave, what's your random stat? Well, I will, obviously, uh, you know, we've got the draft coming up tomorrow. Um, but at the same time, I do want to do a draft uh random stat for you now uh, this is going to be met with mixed uh reviews i think from uh, both of you guys so uh my stat is it's a career stats mm-hmm. so it's 16 game starts 173 completions 361 attempts for 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions so these are career stats now the theme is that this is uh the draft in 2010 when only two quarterbacks were selected. Now, round, round one, pick one. Oh, sorry, it, only two quarterbacks were, pick, were picked in the first round. So the first pick of the draft was a very sad one to the St. Louis Rams of Sam Bradford. And mm. that, obviously, as we know, did not turn out as great as we were hoping for. However, my stat is about the other quarterback in this draft. So, <laughs> okay, so... If we go back to, I think it was it was number twenty five in the first round. There was one Tim Tebow selected by the Denver Broncos. Tebow. No, exactly <laughs> the the man, the myth, the legend. Now he only played at quarterback in the league as a starter in three seasons: two for the Broncos in 2010-2011, uh, where he made fourteen starts. Uh, maybe not the best uh, stats. He was 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions all came while he was a starter for the Broncos in his first two years um, mm. before he was then let go uh, for a bit of a downgrade to one free agent signing, which was Peyton Manning. Um, so, yes, he was traded to the Jets uh, in 2012 uh, along with a seventh-round pick, for the Broncos, and that was exchanged for the Jets' fourth and sixth round picks. Now, he only spent one year playing for the Jets, and he only started in two games, where he made six completions from eight attempts 
for 39 yards. Now, um, he was primarily used as a kind of running um, sort of Wildcats quarterback rather than anything else, rather than actually throwing it. But Tim Tebow, as a first-round quarterback pick, shows that if there's not a high-class draft of quarterbacks available, do not panic and draft a quarterback in the first round. And I think every single team and also Maurice Jones-Drew should take note of this. So <laughs> my stat is about Tim Tebow and what I can only say was a very underwhelming uh, career stats. 16 games played for uh, 173 completions for 361 yards and 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. He did get 12 rushing touchdowns as well, but that also came with career stats up with 14 fumbles. So right. make of that what you will. So but I'll, I'll, yeah, you, I'll hand over to you about your verdict on Tim Tebow. I'm going to tell you what I can make of that. Um, you were telling me that you never watched Tim Tebow play without telling me that you never watched Tim Tebow play. <laughs> because the stats are underwhelming. I mean, you know, you can't deny it. You look at the stats and go, that's pretty rubbish. But that 2011 season was the most magical thing ever. Tebowmania. Tebowmania uh, was a thing for a reason. And... One of these days, I'm going to talk about the second half of this 2000. You know, I've got so many things that one of these days I'm going to talk about them. The the second half of this 2011 season, where Tim Tebow was hopeless for three quarters and eight minutes. And then he just lit it up. He absolutely lit it up. The, they were dead in the water against the Dolphins. And he, they won. They were dead in the water against the Jets and they won. And then the Bears and they won. And all the pundits, every week we're saying, all right, so, yeah, he beat the Dolphins. So he's not going to beat the Jets next week. They were a much better defense. And then he beat the Jets. Okay, so they beat the Jets. But, you know, they're not going to beat the, the Bears. And they beat the Bears. Okay, right, they beat the Bears. There's no way they're going to beat the Chiefs. And they beat the Chiefs. Okay, so, yeah, right, they, they beat the Chiefs. They're not going to, make you know, clinch a playoff spot. Oh, they clinch a playoff spot. Okay, right, they did. But they're never going to win the division. And they won the division. All right, so they're in the playoffs. But they're never going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do they do? They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, but they're never going to beat the Patriots. Well, no, they got crushed by the Patriots, but that's not the point. The point is that Tim Tebow, for seven, six, seven magical weeks, was just must-watch. Tebow mania was a thing for a reason. And the reason was the Broncos are winning games. They had no business winning. No, they had no business being in any of those games. In one of the games, and now I'm, I'm not looking at stats here. You can verify this. Tim Tebow, I believe, completed two out of eight passes against the Kansas City Chiefs. One of them was for the game-winning 55, 56-yard touchdown to Eric Decker. They won the game. He completed two passes. It was just a Tim Tebow legend. I bought his shirt in his rookie year in 2010. I watched him play in in Wembley against the San Francisco 49ers. He scored a touchdown uh, running in that game. And even last year, I went to the States on my honeymoon. It was wonderful. And I went, I went to a Broncos game in Mile High. And there were so many Tebow shirts. 
at that. You're talking about someone who played half a season for the team. And there was TV shots everywhere. I then went to see the Jets play the Dolphins at MetLife and there were Jets fans with Tebow shirts. He, I, he didn't even start a single game with the Jets. It's just, it's just unbelievable. Also, he's one of the most handsome men who ever lived. I'm telling you right oh, now. God. My God. Yes. And wholesome. What a guy. Oh, what a guy. Oh. So, Tim Tebow, legend. Love the stats, Dave, but you've just proved stats don't tell the whole story. Tim no Tebow slander here. We'll have no Tebow slander. The, the only thing left in the league that can be kind of compared to Tim Tebow would be Taysom Hill. So I think I'm probably oh. giving this stat in the wrong place. You don't like <laughs> <have to, laughs> No. <laughs> right. But so yeah, uh, that, but the, that's, that's still, still a good stat, Dave. First it, it is, but the only the only thing I would uh, say though is that he did rush. Uh, he did have nine carries in that game against the Chiefs for forty three yards and one touchdown as well. So it wasn't completely wasted. He was two of eight for sixty nine yards uh, as quarterback. Yes. Just yeah, I, I mean he was a one of a kind. One of a, of course, yeah, okay, but he was one of a kind, shall we say? <laughs> but yeah, that is my random stat. Fantastic, Tim Tebow, love it. I'll, I'll never get rid of that shirt. Never. <laughs> um, okay, so my random stat also concerns a quarterback. Now, everybody knows, well, not everybody knows, obviously, uh, but um, what a lot of people who follow the NFL know is that in 1984, Dan Marino had one of the greatest passing seasons of all time. He threw for over 5,000 yards and 48 touchdowns. And it was just like miles ahead of anyone else. No one was even close to Dan Marino in 1984 that year. But my random stat concerns another quarterback, a Hall of Fame quarterback who's never really talked about in the greatest quarterback of all time conversations. He should be. He, he is in the Hall of Fame. But he was criminally underrated for almost his entire career. He actually went undrafted in the, in the NFL draft. And he sent tapes of himself to all 32 NFL teams. Nobody took him up on it. And coming up to the NFL draft, he was being told, you know, you're not going to get picked. He was actually being told this. This was actually in 1978. Uh, 19, you said, you're not going to get picked. Certainly not going top five. You're not going top 10. You're not going top 20. To the point where he thought to himself, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get picked. If I do get picked 28th overall, or if I get picked in the, in the second round or the third round, I'm, I'm never going to have a chance. So what he did was he went to Canada. And uh, the player I'm talking about is Warren Moon. Now, I've spoken about Warren Moon loads of times. Warren Moon went up to the CFL. He played for the Edmonton Eskimos. And all he did with the Edmonton Eskimos in six years uh, was throw for 21,000 yards, 144 touchdowns. He had back-to-back 5,000-yard passing seasons, including in 1983... 5,648 yards, which um, 
as you know, is just blows past Marino's uh, record at the time of 5,048 yards for the, uh, 5,084, I beg your pardon, for the Miami Dolphins. Now you can argue this was the Canadian Football League. It wasn't the, the NFL. This is very true. But what Moon was doing was so far ahead of everyone else that it, it just wasn't even close. He was light years ahead of everyone. He won um, the Grey Cup MVP in 1980 and 1982. He eventually went to the NFL for the Houston Oilers, played for the Houston Oilers, 1984. And he was a Pro Bowl player for them. He threw back-to-back 4,600-yard seasons in 1990 and 1991. And when he was traded in 1990s, for the 1994 offseason from Houston to Minnesota because it was felt he was too old. And they, they wanted to replace him with Cody Kessler. Uh, went to the Vikings and all Warren Moon did was throw back-to-back 4,200-yard seasons, including a league-leading uh, 33 touchdowns in 1995. Uh, Warren Moon is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. If you combine, this is the actual stat, if you combine his passing yards from the CFL and the NFL, Warren Moon threw for 70,553 yards, which would put him fifth all-time today. When he retired, he would have been ahead of everybody. Only Brett Favre, who retired in 2010, would have had more when he hit 71,000 yards. Um, since then, of course, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees and Tom Brady have thrown for more. Brees uh, famously topping 80,000 yards. Brady's currently on 84,500 yards. But Warren Moon would have had more career passing yards than Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Dan Marino, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, Aaron Rodgers, John Elway, uh, Matthew Stafford is, is the next up at um, just five yards shy of 50,000 yards of Matthew Stafford. Warren Moon is one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever played the game. He went undrafted. He is the only player to be a member of the CFL Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall of Fame. And if you ever saw Warren Moon throwing, you get some highlights on YouTube, he threw the prettiest passes you've ever seen just the tightest spiral rainbows um, ever. Warren Moon was just unbelievable. Unfortunately, never won a Super Bowl in his career with the Oilers. He also played, as I said, for the Vikings and the Seahawks briefly. He never uh, achieved a Super Bowl victory and he just kept having, being, I don't want to say let down. He was unfortunate in the playoffs. Famously in 1991 and 1992. In 1991, the Houston Oilers lost, uh, blew a 21-6 lead to the Denver Broncos uh, in the third quarter. And of course, in 1992, the Houston Oilers famously blew a 35-3 lead to the Buffalo Bills in the wild card. Uh, that was in the second half. They were winning 35-3 in the second half. Uh, and they lost that game uh, 41-38 to the Buffalo Bills. So, uh, yeah. That is uh, my random stat. Warren Moon, if you combined his yards, would have had over 70,000 yards. He'd have been the first player ever to do it. And, um, as I said, he was the first player to ever pass for 5,000 yards in a season, albeit in the CFL. But he did it in back-to-back seasons in 1982 and 1983. Big up the Falcons for carrying on the legacy of blowing leads from the Oilers. 
<laughs> and then I I uh, I remember the 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 Bills Oilers wildcard game, um, and it was I I wasn't watching it on telly. I was actually listening to it on the radio on the old um, Armed Forces Network, which you could you could uh, barely get. It was an awful reception. You could barely get it, and um, I think at at halftime it was was it twenty to three at halftime. I think it was, Crystal. Crystal. and. I, I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is awful. But, you know, teams have come back from that before, from 28 to 3. They have, you know, and, and you're thinking, yeah. you know, it's possible. But then the Bills come out in the second half and immediately throw a pick six. <laughs> you're thinking, oh, no chance. 35 to 3. Oh, and the Bills had a backup quarterback in that game, Frank Reich. They didn't even have Jim Kelly. And I think Thurman Thomas was out for that game as well. So the Bills were already beaten up. And they're down 35 to 3 in the second half. And I turned off the radio. I was like, that game's, game's done. Can't listen to any more of this. And then woke up the next morning and checked the scores on Teletext. For those who remember Teletext and CFAX, um, which was the internet wow. before the internet existed. Yeah, and on, on you're, you're trying to get the, the sports scores on the CFAX. I can't remember. I think it was, I want to say it was 310. Page 310 on CFAX was the uh, sports scores, NFL. And uh, it came up with, that's how I found out that the Bills had won that game. 41 to 38 in overtime. And I'm looking at it going, how did they win? The Oilers were winning by 35 to 3 in the second half. How did the Bills win? And I had to wait until the following Saturday to watch the highlights on uh, the show, which I think was called Blitz with Gary Imlach presenting it. I just, just couldn't believe it. I had to wait until the following Saturday. To watch the highlights of that game. Those kids today don't know they're born. That's all I can say to that. <laughs> game pass? Oh my goodness. Godsend. And I think what one of the other things was that he played in league till he was, what, in his mid-40s? I think he had a little stint around 99-2000 with Kansas City. He finished his career in Kansas City, right? Um, uh, sorry, the year 2000, he was 44. He only he only started um, one game for them in, in the year 2000, but he was 44 years old. He was 28 when he entered the league in 1984. Oh, and then Whedon. That just came to my mind now. And all he did between 1984 and 1997, was go to nine Pro Bowls. <laughs> like, that it? Oh, wow, wow. He was Offensive Player of the Year in 1990. Led the league in passing in 1990 and 1991. Led the league in touchdowns in 1990. Warren Moon, just one of the, the greatest to ever do it, and he went undrafted. Once again, NFL scouts haven't got a clue. Just <laughs> clearly, Absolutely. they don't. Um, uh, you, you throw enough darts, eventually you'll hit, and you get to. Everyone remembers the hits. Well, what? that's true. Yes, there's there's been many undrafted quarterbacks who didn't make it into the Hall of Fame. I, th- I think one one of the things with, uh, or from what I'm gathering from his stats as well, is that uh, he had a good number of rushing attempts as well. You know, he, he was a very mobile quarterback. He, you know, very athletic. Yeah, he t- had uh, touchdowns every year, bar one for the Houston Oilers from rushing attempts. Um, I, 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 he was a very 
shall we say, daring quarterback with many of his throws as well. I think that that's what you know. If yeah, you, if you don't go for it, if you don't go for it, you're you're not going to get these kind of highlight reels. Uh, yeah, he, he he did. He has so many of. He did throw a lot of interceptions. Yeah, of, of course he did, but he threw an awful lot of touchdowns, mm-hmm. and he was just one of one of the greatest passers of the ball I've ever seen. Uh, but you be, and but he's the thing is he's never spoken about yeah. in in these conversations. Who's the best of all time? You know, and people bring up quarterbacks from the eighties. They talk about Dan Marino and John Elway, and they talk about Joe Montana, and they talk about you know the more recent guys, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Who's the best of all time? No one ever mentions Warren Moon, and and they should because he's right up there, and uh, uh, any. Anyone, in hindsight, any team would have taken him in 1978 in the draft. Uh, I'm going to throw one last thing onto this, because in that that year, the 1978 draft, you're saying, well, the Houston Oilers could have drafted him. They actually had the first overall pick in that draft, and they drafted a Hall of Famer, running back Earl Campbell, in 1978. But some of the some of the quarterbacks who were drafted, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafted quarterback Doug Williams. He won a Super Bowl with uh, Washington. Um, he was actually the only quarterback drafted in the first round that year. Was Doug Williams, which is quite rare for the time. Other quarterbacks drafted Matt Cavanaugh to the Patriots, Guy Benjamin to the Dolphins. Um, you had Mark Miller to the Cleveland Browns. You had Gifford Nielsen. The Oilers drafted Gifford Nielsen in the third round as a quarterback, and Warren Moon went undrafted. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyway, not going to talk about Warren Moon for the entire episode, guys. That's me done, talking about Warren Moon for now. One of these days we will get around to an in-depth conversation on him. Uh, But there's, as you can already see, plenty to talk about. So uh, the random stats have been great. I really enjoy doing the random stats. I I think that it's... It's my favourite segment, I think, at the moment. No, with due deference to, to, to Jake <laughs> and his hot takes, it may, it may get overtaken, you know? It, we can call it Jake's overtakes because it's overtaken. Random <laughs> stats. Oh. What am I talking about? Guys, I need to go to bed. This is, this is what's happening now. It's getting late in the evening and I'm an old man. So, um, Tomorrow is the draft. Next week's show, we will obviously cover the draft. We'll be discussing any trades that happen, any other trades that happen through the, the league. Obviously, your transactions. We'll be discussing that as well on next week's NFL show. Jake, thank you very much for everything. Dave, thank you for everything. It has been a pleasure again. Can't thank you guys enough. Doing this podcast is one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. I'm so glad that you guys are doing it with me and talked me into doing it for real and just thank you so much guys I really appreciate you not at all I think it's, it's our pleasure to be here so I think all of us all three of us are you know taking so much pride in it and enjoying it so much so here's to many more episodes of complete nonsense that we come out with every single week well oh, absolutely but we're lucky to have you stay on the ship well thank you very much guys thank you for tuning in to the WinFL show we will catch you next week with all the news from the NFL draft if you're staying up enjoy it and if you can't stay up that late uh, we'll try not to send too many spoilers on Twitter you've been listening to the WinFL show <laughs> <laughs>